Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church on this beautiful fall morning. I hope that everyone here is enjoying the, the beauty of this specific day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome one and all to this service of worship. Welcome if you're a visitor with us. We're delighted that you're here. We hope that all of our visitors feel very much at home among us today. Thank you one and all for being here today and those who are worshiping with us online. We're delighted that you are here as well. Thank you for joining us, whether you're at home or on a trip. We are so glad that our congregation can be together, whether that's here in person or together virtually as well. Thank you one and all for worshiping with us today. You'll see the friendship pad in the inside aisle of each pew. If you would sign that pad and then pass that down the row to those who are on the row with you, and you'll have a chance to see who's worshiping with you. And then you'll have a chance also to greet them personally in just a few minutes. We do invite um, you, if you're visiting with us, to please know you can indicate on that friendship pad that you'd like to know more information about GPC, or you'd like a visit, or you might have a special prayer concern. If that's the case, then we'd be delighted for you to indicate that on the friendship pad, and we'll be happy to be in touch with you and tell you more about our congregation. Also, be a minister down front here after this service, and if you're visiting and you do have any questions or you have special prayer concerns, then you can certainly come down front, and uh, one of us will be glad to uh, pray with you or to meet with you and uh, to know more about how we can serve you here as a congregation. It is Communion Sunday, and so I hope you received your communion elements on the way into the sanctuary this morning. There are elements in the narthex, and if you didn't get the, the uh, bag with the um, cracker in it, as well as the grape, then those are uh, in the narthex, as I said, and you can slip out in just a minute and grab those before we celebrate communion um, in just a few minutes. Today is All Saints Sunday, which is a very special Sunday for us here at GPC. We do remember all those church members who have died in the last year, and so we recognize them and we read their names. Um, it's a very meaningful moment for us as a congregation um, there's one name on the list that we didn't know that she had died um, before, and that's back in October of 2020, and so she's on the list uh, as well this year. But we do always want to appreciate and remember those saints among us on All Saints Sunday. Um, we're going to have a little bit of a shift in the order of worship, and so the children's sermon is coming right after the greeting of people so with it when we greet one another we'll invite our children to come up for the children's time right then he says to the liturgist we got that I'm perfect um, so we'll have that little shift in the uh, worship service so we'll know that our kids can come forward as they usually do while we're all uh, greeting one another in Christ's name what a great women's retreat there was yesterday I've heard from several people who attended uh, the largest number of attendees that we've ever had uh, in the several year tradition now, the women's retreat. Thank you so much to the members of the planning team. Lots of people working months and months behind the scene. Um, no one working any harder than Susie Wiggins on that um, for many, many months. So thank you, Susie. Thank you to all of the women's retreat planning team for all you did. Uh, I've heard great things about it um, from several people already this morning. And so thank you for all who attended, all who planned and all who, uh, who helped to organize that. We continue to emerge out of our COVID quicksand of the last 18 months, and so that means we are engaging even more 
with our community in service. And so we are, again, a Room in the Inn congregation, and many people served helping Room in the Inn um, where we will uh, transport um, members of the homeless community uh, in the greater Memphis area to um, our community room in the chapel, below the chapel, next Saturday evening. And so we're going to host it again. And we're going to, we could have waited, but we said, no, let's be bold and go for it and start in November all the way through one Saturday a month. So that's next Saturday. So we do have to jump on it a little bit and uh, hustle a little bit to get everything in place. So we're going to send a Sign Up Genius link out, a special link, Sign Up Genius. You can see the food that's needed. You can see the people that we need um, in the various places to volunteer. So be on the lookout for that to come out tomorrow so that we can make sure we've got um, you know, a van driver, overnight host, uh, uh, someone who will provide some food, all those different parts. So thank you for helping us um, make this happen as soon as next Saturday evening, and you'll see information about that. Last but not least, we are so appreciative of all of the ways that God is speaking to us in this, this time frame right now where we have a special prayer effort going on. And you heard about that prayer effort last Sunday. You received a church directory with special prayer instructions on every day of, uh, between last Sunday and November 21st. Uh, again, I've heard from so many people who have had such wonderful not coincidences because there's no such thing, but a God moment of praying for someone and then seeing that person for the first time in a while or reconnecting in prayer. So thank you for doing that. If you haven't started that, you can pick that up this week. It's really been a phenomenal effort on behalf of our church. So thank you for that. And there is a a day-long prayer vigil on the 19th of this month on a Friday. You can pray at home or you can come to the chapel and pray. Again, there'll be a link that goes out to sign up for that. And if Sign Up Genius isn't your thing, then just call the church office. Email or call the church office and we'll have folks sign you up for you. But you can pray. Um, there'll be instructions on who to pray for and what to pray for during that day-long prayer vigil on November the 19th. So be on the lookout for that. Friends, those are all of our announcements. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. We gather in Christ's name to fill this place with our praise of God. God is worthy of our devotion. Please stand and join me in our call to worship. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. Praise my God. 
all my life long. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. God is merciful and just, and God is quick to forgive those who repent. Let us confess our sin and acknowledge our need for God's grace. Let us pray. God of majesty and mercy, we live in awe of your glory. Hear us now, we pray, as we confess our weakness in the face of sin. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, we still contradict your will for us. We act, think, and speak in ways that displease you. And for this we are sorry. Look upon us with compassion and forgive us in the name of Christ, we pray.
We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ's death on the cross reconciles us to God. His resurrection brings us new life in God's presence. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. While the children come forward for the children's sermon, please greet those around you with a sign of God's peace. always fun to give them something that they can play with while I talk. Okay, so hang on, I'm going to do this. Ah. So in elementary Sunday school, we've just learned that God made each one of us unique. We're all special, right? We're all God's creative creations. And in preschool Sunday school, we just learned that God wants us to help others. We're supposed to help our mommies and daddies. We're supposed to help our brothers and sisters. So balloons, like all of us that are special, they come out on special occasions. So that's why you have a balloon. That and you can play with it and ignore me. Um, <laughs> balloons are actually very helpful. Scientists use balloons to study things up in the sky. And I just learned that doctors use balloons to do open-heart surgery. <gasps> I did not know that, so I learned something today, too. And if I breathe into it like you guys are breathing into it, I can fill it up, and it will grow. These won't float. We don't have helium. Sorry. Um, so we are like balloons, and God breathes his Holy Spirit into us. And that fills us up, and we grow. And 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching. Your parents can use it to scold you, and they can correct you, and it'll train you up in righteousness. 
the right way to live. So when we study our Bibles, just like we do downstairs, God breathes into us and we grow. Can you show me how your balloon will grow? This is when you get to blow them up. Go for it. I'm going to let y'all use your air. Okay, show me your growing balloons. And as we grow, we can share. God gave us these gifts and talents that we can share with our friends, and then that helps them grow too. So some of us might be really good at sports. Some of us might be good at baking yummy things or singing or doing art. We can even just be good listeners. That is also a gift. Whatever makes us us, that's what God wants us to use and remember, can you, meet, can you help me with this? We may be small in the eyes of people, but God made us to do what? God made us to do big things. Okay, the 830 service remembered that. So apparently, these are the kids who need a re-lesson. Okay, that's my lesson. Thank you. We're going to have prayer. Would one of you like to pray or do you want to listen? Okay, I'll do it. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for my group of friends. I'm always so excited to see them, and they fill me with such joy. Thank you for our time together and that we have a Bible that we can study so you can fill our hearts and grow our minds in your Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Amen. On this All Saints Sunday, would you please remain seated and join me in a responsive reading of our All Saints Liturgy. God of all time, we praise you for all your servants who have done justice, loved mercy, and walked humbly with their God. For all those who have faithfully served you, witnessed bravely, and died in their faith, we praise you, O God. God of the ages, we give you thanks for saints, those of our day and of days before, who nurtured us in faith, who told us the stories of Jesus, and who cultivated among us the sense of our own vocation to follow the way of Christ. For those we have known and loved, who by their faithful obedience and steadfast hope have shown the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. We praise you, O God. Help us not only to remember them, but also to follow their example, to nurture their expectant hope, and to live our lives so that others might see your love reflected in all that we say and do. Thank you, God, for the gift of these, your saints. Amen. Billy Green Martin.
Bernard John Froelich. Andrew Wilson Arthur Sr. Howard Clarence Westmoreland. Peter David Hawkinson Sr. Willa Lowry. Charles Thomas Cates. Walter McClung Pepper, Jr. Richard Wayne Noakes. Elizabeth Stout Green. Chelsea Marie Miller. Jane Eleanor Dupree. Hazel Irene Cannon. Sandra Elizabeth Franks. Elizabeth G. McCallan. Diane Turner Stearns. James A. Kinney. Barbara Benson Arthur. Lala Bright Brown Meller. Margaret Cook Williams. Let us join together in a moment of reverent silence for these saints. Amen.
Please join me in prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, speak to us now in these words that we read and that we hear. We thank you for the gift of your word, Lord, how it is inspired in order to be inspiring. Thank you now for your presence among us, especially as we turn to your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We have a reading that comes to us this morning from the Gospel of Mark. We read in Mark uh, chapter 12, verses 38 through 44. Listen now for the word of God. As Jesus taught, he said to them, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Then Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people came and put in large sums. And then a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of these who are contributing to the treasury, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So the longer you live in discipleship with Jesus, then you know this truth. The longer you live with Christ, then the more he will minister to you and give you the right words at the right time, the right mood, the right everything. And so think about your own walk with Christ, your own faith. There are times when Christ will be so tender with you, times of of brokenness. There'll be times of pain, times of, of illness, recovery. And Christ is gentle with us during those times because that's where we need him the most. And thank goodness for that gentleness. And also, the longer you walk with Christ, then the more you know there are certain seasons in life when he will challenge you more. (laughs) Challenge you a lot, perhaps. And thank goodness for that challenge as well because there is no way ever, is there? There's no way to get better at something without being challenged. And there's no way to stretch, there's no way to grow without being stretched. You can't become stronger if you don't at least know what your weaknesses are and how to address them in a good way. Did you ever have growing pains or did your children ever have growing pains while they were growing up? Maybe a few. Uh, Pediatricians apparently are a little divided on on whether growing pains are actually real or not, but uh, I think I had some and I've heard of other people talking about growing pains when you're, you're young and you're, your body's just doing what it's supposed to be doing and maybe a muscle gets ahead of a ligament and it causes your leg to ache or maybe an arm. Your body's just doing what it's supposed to be doing, stretching and growing, but it can also be a little painful. So there are definitely spiritual growing pains involved for all of us. See, God wants you, God so wants you to be, to be better to be stronger in your discipleship. God wants you to to grow, and and those challenges will come to you that will help you grow, but I've never known those challenges not to be painful. 
Sometimes God might be disciplining you. And that, according to Peter, is also painful. It hurts, but it's for the good cause. It takes a faithful disciple, faithful discipline. It takes commitment on our parts to to go through those growing pains and to come out better on the other side. It always does. God has a plan in mind for every person in here, for you and your level of faith, wherever you may be, wherever you may not be, God has a plan for you in your faith, and it is so good. And God will speak the right words to you at the right moment to affirm you tenderly or to challenge you maybe directly. I think about sometimes discipleship like this. We've got some golfers in here, I know. Um, have you ever taken a golf lesson? You've taken a golf lesson? Then if you have recently, then maybe you're like my golf uh, pro, golf instructor. He likes to set up a camera on the driving range so that he can film me. And he says, okay, hit a b- few balls off into the sky, which for me is more like a six inches off the ground on a line drive with a hard left hook. But he says he'll film me. So he does that, and then we go inside, and he can put up my image of my swing and break it down, frame by frame. And then you can see, of course, he'll show you where your left elbow is not straight, or your hips are too far turned, or they're coming too far forward. And then this is my favorite. So he will put a still shot of me up on the screen right at the moment of impact. I mean, right when you're hitting the ball. And then on a side screen next to that, split screen in two, he'll put up the image of some just kind of random golfers who are a little bit better than I. One time it was a picture of Tiger Woods. Another time there was Jack Nicklaus, even Ben Hogan one time. And where they look at the point of impact, it's a little different. I can see where I am, and then you can see pretty much perfection and where you're supposed to be to get it right. I really think our discipleship is is so much like that so often when we do. We see ourselves, and and maybe it's a still shot of some moment that you're in in your life. A still shot of you in your moment, but then you can look at Christ in Scripture. You can look at the example of Christ and, and see where He is and where you need to be. And it might be in a moment of of confusion, perhaps. It might be in some moment of anger. You can see where you are with controlling your own anger or temper and then where you should be. Maybe it's in regard to truth-telling. Maybe it's in regard with contentment or purpose in your life. Maybe it's in regard to generosity. You see, this is what discipleship really is. It's God's way of of slowing us down and making us slowly but surely, of truly uh, remaking us and reforming us after the likeness and the image and the pattern and the example of Jesus Christ. That's what God is doing to us in our discipleship. And a lot of times, it's painful, and it's hard, and it's difficult, and it always involves disciplined practice. Always. We're in this stewardship season right now in our church. We always are at this time of year, and it's leading up to Commitment Sunday in a few weeks. And we're in this season of, of stewardship, and we do this every year. Here is the reason that we, here is not the reason that we do it. And it is a side reason, but it's not the main reason. We're not doing it at this time of year just to raise a church budget. I mean, that's part of the process, and sometimes that's what people focus on. But that is not why we do this at this time of year. It's not. 
What we're trying to do is raise up to the, to the focus, raise up to the fore for everybody to see a key, I mean, even the key personality trait of Jesus, which is generosity. It's generosity. It always is generous. When you look at Jesus' life and you see things in Scripture that he does, an example in this chapter, in this gospel of a generous act, and then another act, and another act, at some point we, we start to realize that Jesus' life is not a series of individual acts of kindness and generosity toward people. It's his whole life. It is his whole life. His whole life is one act of generosity to humanity. Think about the vocabulary that we often use, even in Scripture, to describe Jesus' mission or to describe Jesus' purpose. Fill in the blank. For God so loved the world that he gave. That he gave. This giving language is one of the most famous verses we have to describe who Jesus is for us. There was another occasion when Jesus was with his disciples. It's actually right before this reading in Mark 12. Jesus says, listen, I came, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's the vocabulary around Jesus it's even the vocabulary of Jesus himself when he describes his own purpose. It's always the vocabulary of giving and of generosity. And then we have this great lesson in front of us today, this sort of contrast in living, a contrast in giving. And it's, it just proves again to us that, you know, so many things change over time. So many things change except for human nature. Human nature is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. You see it revealed in this scripture lesson right here, where um, in revealed in this, this, these few verses, this reading, are two of the major behavioral influencers over human life. Two of the things that motivate us in this life, in this world, are revealed right here in this reading. And you can see this contrast here, and human nature hasn't changed one of the ways that motivates people, it's on display here, is this desire that we all have, deep down inside each one of us, a desire for status. So Jesus is watching the religious leaders who do walk around in long robes so that they can be noticed. He notices how status-seeking they are. These scribes and these Pharisees, you could say ministers, love the best seats and love parading around in their robes and being important and being noticed. And I will tell you that I have known several ministers who were just like this. Some of, this is a job that breeds narcissism because people are looking at you every week as you talk and you just get into this habit of thinking that you are so important. They crave status. There's actually a really important podcast that's making its way around the United States right now, and I've heard about it. I've listened to part of it. It's making its way around in lots of Christian circles um, about the rise and fall of a very prominent U.S. minister from about the mid-2000s until just about three or four years ago. This incredible story about his rise and then how um, ego and influence and authority and book royalties just went straight to his head because he loved status. 
There's a really interesting book that's come out recently. It's published by a British writer named Will Storr called The Status Game. How social position, on social position and how we use it. And he talks about how status is like a drug and it's intoxicating. It's so addictive. But what's really interesting is that he doesn't examine the super wealthy or the high and the mighty. He's not talking about celebrities, star athletes, or entertainers but he's talking about very ordinary people in very everyday walks of life and how we all crave status, no matter what our socioeconomic level is, no matter what our profession. He looks at teachers and factory workers and salespeople and musicians and nurses. He even analyzes a homeless community and the status levels that are striven for in that community, how everybody craves recognition and status within their sphere or organization or neighborhood or industry. Wherever we live, whoever we are, we all want status. Everybody finds a way, he says, everybody finds a way to believe that they are somehow better than others in skills or in social causes they believe in or how down-to-earth they really are compared to other people, in athletics, all of these ways. So what happens now is that we all live in a society where everybody lives with a sense that somehow they are better than others and therefore morally superior. All of us. Jesus turns his gaze from those scribes and those Pharisees upon those in the temple where he is teaching. And he looks at those who have come to give. And we know this is the time of the Passover, so there are lots of people in Jerusalem. There are lots of people going to the temple who then by the treasury. And Jesus watches them by the treasury. And uh, giving was a little different back in that day and age. We didn't have gifts. We didn't have e-giving back in that day and age. So, of course, people had to bring in different amounts that they had to carry in to put into the large containers. The longer you had, the longer it took, the more people noticed. So even giving in that way was kind of a way of seeking status. But then unnoticed, unnoticed by anybody else, unnoticed was this woman who I imagine with her head bowed. Unnoticed by anybody else except the one who notices all of us. The one who notices every single human being Whoever you are and wherever you are, Jesus has his eye on you and on your life because you matter so much to him. This woman matters so much to Jesus, she comes with her head bowed, and she is motivated by the other main motivating factor for human behavior in this world. One is status, the other is gratitude. Gratitude is the other major motivating factor for all of us. In her meager existence, she comes to worship at the temple because she loves God. And she is grateful for her life, grateful for who she is. God is her protector. God is her only source of hope, not any other source that she might have. Because she loves God, she comes to support the worship and the work of the temple. And what she put in, everybody else would overlook except for Jesus. He sees it and he knows that gift. And then what does he do? He praises her as the greatest role model of all. She gives with her whole heart. 
She gives out of gratitude for God. She's not holding back out of some strategic need for security or some fear or some other desire that she has. Even if she puts in these two pennies, who at, at this moment, that's all she has to live on, she knows that God will provide for her. God is not going to let her go hungry. God is not going to let her be taken advantage of. She knows that God will provide. She'll have enough and she will be fine. And she knows it. So she gives with generosity. Friends, we've talked a lot about this engaging our potential campaign for not just next year, but the year following that and really for years following that in our church. We've talked, we've talked about it. We'll talk about it again and some more. And each week as we've talked about this campaign, we've also tried to bring in one of the strategic goals that our session and our diaconate both approved because there's such a great roadmap for us for the future. Our goals and our stewardship plan, of course, they're very closely tied together. We know that we have so much potential in our church for the coming years. Incredible potential, especially when it comes to the second of our strategic goals, growing. Connecting, growing, caring, sharing. Growing is what we're thinking about this week. We know that we have so much potential growing as one of our strategic goals, and I am so excited about this goal because we want our church to grow. We want GPC to grow in the number one way that is always the most important. First and foremost, we want to grow spiritually. We want to grow spiritually. That's always the most important way of growth. We want all of us to be able, at whatever level it is, whatever depth it is, but we want our roots of faith to grow deeper into the good soil that Jesus talks about, that nurturing good soil of faith for your roots to sink in a little more and a little deeper. We want our trust to grow. We want our compassion to grow. We want our righteousness. We want this, this capacity for truth, to know truth, to know what is right and what is wrong, this capacity for righteousness. We want our ability to choose what is good and to choose God's ways. We want that to grow. We want to grow. We want to grow as our church does become a home for more and more people, a church home, a church family. We want our church to grow numerically because growth is a sign that we are doing what we are supposed to be doing, which is making disciples. A church that isn't growing isn't making more disciples. Jesus said you must do this. You must replicate. You must grow. And so we want to grow in a healthy spiritual way, but a way that includes more and more people into the body of Christ. And so this growing goal is part of who we are going to be for the foreseeable future, connecting and then growing, caring and sharing. Last week we talked about connecting through prayer, and I know this week as we think about growth, we have so much potential because God has prepared us to give generously out of gratitude and out of love for God in order for us to grow. And I'll not speak for you. I promise you I'm looking in the mirror even if I'm looking at you when I say this. I'm not speaking for you, but I will say that for Susan and me, and I'm always braver when she's out of town and not here this morning. <laughs> for Susan and for me, I, I do think that like Jesus was watching those people at the treasury on that day in the temple, that, that Christ is watching us. <laughs> He is watching us to see if we will really consider 
prayerfully, sacrificially giving. He is watching me to see if I will practice what I preach. He knows the level at which we should give if we're to be generous. He is watching with hopeful expectation. He knows what we have and don't have. He knows what we really need and don't need. He is watching, hoping that we will engage in this spiritual discipline of giving because it takes me practice over and over and over again in a disciplined way for me to overcome my incredibly innate selfishness and stinginess. Sometimes I am the tightest person I have ever met. And if I don't engage in the spiritual discipline of giving, I will not be the type of disciple that Jesus wants me to be. And I know, maybe it's true for you too, but I know that Jesus is is just watching us, hoping for the very best from us. So we think about reasons to give. We think about reasons to engage. Um, You've been hearing from different participants in our church, and you'll hear some more in upcoming weeks, but you've been hearing from different people um, that have expressed their hope for this campaign And I am so excited to welcome two people into our midst today who love coming into our new education building, sometimes in person, sometimes via Zoom. And we're just going to spotlight one ministry that has actually grown over the last year and a half where, honestly, I can't think of another ministry or program that everybody else has contracted during covid I think, I'm sure there's an exception to that, but almost everything we've done, we've contracted naturally and understandably, but we have had one program grow exponentially. Sometimes we talk about percentages and return on investment. If you think about the percentage growth of this program that you're about to hear from, you will be amazed to see of its growth that's happened in the last 18 months or so. And I'm so excited. Um that this program has become one of the number one outreach programs for our congregation. Many people in our church participate in it, but also many people from all around now, the greater Mid-South area, are participating in this, and they're not church members, but it is so lovely, so wonderful to have them in our midst. And so I'm going to invite two of them to come up now. We have Sarah Bollinger and her mom, Crystal Bollinger, and they're going to come up with Miss Jackie, and they're going to tell you a little bit about part of this church that they have grown to participate in and love. So welcome to both Sarah and Crystal. Good morning, Germantown Presbyterian Church. My name is Sarah Bollinger, and this is my mom, Crystal. I am 19 years old. My family and I attended a church closer to my home but I am part of the peace ministry here. On Wednesdays, I like to use Zoom to join the friendship circle. We all need a little help sometimes with friends. And on Thursdays, I am part of the Amplify Music program. I want to thank you, church, for having both of these programs. I enjoy playing music. I have taken provide piano lessons for several years but I have never played in a group until Amplify. Now I am learning guitar and xylophone for group performance. My mom has a few things to say as well. 
also want to say thank you for these programs. After Sarah graduated high school, I was praying and asking God for activities she could do. She's not ready for full-time employment yet because of her disabilities. We were invited to join Friendship Circle when it changed to all Zoom during COVID. I like that Sarah has been able to meet new people and be part of a weekly Bible study. From that group, I learned about the Amplify program, and we joined this fall just a few weeks ago. For some time, I had been wanting her to learn to play music in a group setting, but our church didn't have the right program for that, even though we have a special needs ministry and we have a music academy, but there wasn't that position that you have here at GPC. I'm thankful that Mr. Knoll, who leads up Amplify, has helped Sarah to learn guitar so she doesn't have to just play air guitar anymore. I'm thankful that the Peace Ministry reaches out to invite people like us from outside of GPC to join. It's about being the body of Christ, one body, many parts. The Peace Ministry programs are an answer to my prayers for Sarah's spiritual growth and developing her musical talent. As a way to say thank you, we would like to invite you to the Amplified Christmas Performance, Sunday, December 12th at 2.30 here at GPC. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah and Crystal, and thank you for being here this morning, and thank you for prayerfully considering how you can give sacrificially to engaging our potential. Big things do come in small packages. Thank you so much for sharing. Friends, we know that all that we have and all that we are are gifts to us from Almighty God. And so now you are blessed, we are all blessed, to give back to God through the giving of our tithes and our offerings with great joy and generosity. Give him my first born. 
Please be seated. Friends, as if this were the only time, as if this were the only place, as if we were the only people, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ intends to meet us this morning in this place at this table. For this is the table that Jesus has prepared for us and has prepared it for you, the people of God. This is his table, and it is he who invites us to come. So I invite you to get ready your grapes and your crackers, and we will partake in Holy Communion together in just a moment. But right now, let us turn our hearts and our minds and our attentions in prayer to Almighty God. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Creator, you formed us in your image. You loved us with an everlasting love. You graced us with gifts for service, and so we praise you and we give you thanks. By your Spirit, unite us with the living Christ and with all who were baptized in Christ's name so that we might be one in ministry in every time and place. As this bread is Christ's body for us, we pray that we might be the body of Christ in the world. We pray, Almighty God, this morning for those who are ill, those who are suffering body, mind, or soul, those who are grieving or anxious, those who are enduring storms of their lives, and storms of nature. For all of these, holy God, we ask that your blessings would pour down upon them like mighty rushing waters, and that their needs for this day might be met. Remembering your faithfulness, mercy, and mighty acts, we take this ordinary bread and this wine from the gifts that you have given us, and we pray that your Holy Spirit might be poured out upon them. Come, Holy Spirit, come. As we celebrate with joy the redemption won for us in Jesus Christ. Let our lives shine with Christ's light. Be a blessing of joy to the living and a beacon of hope to the dying. All of this we pray to you, O God, through the gift of your Spirit and the grace of your word to the glory of your holy name. Even as we now join all of our many voices into one voice, and we pray to you with both humility and boldness, the very prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art, who art in, in heaven, heaven hallowed, hallowed be, be thy name. name. Thy, thy kingdom, kingdom come, come. Thy, thy will be done. done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, 
he shared a meal with his closest friends, his disciples. And during the meal, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to God for the bread, and he broke it open, saying, This is my body given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink you all from it in remembrance of me. And my friends, I say that every time that we eat of this bread or drink of this cup, we proclaim the saving death of Jesus until he comes again, because these are the gifts of God for the people of God. If you would now please get your elements out, and we'll partake of communion together. pray. O Lord Jesus Christ, you've renewed us at your table with the bread of life. And may this food strengthen us in love and help us to serve you in the world by serving one another. Lead us on, Lord Jesus, and take us with you wherever you go. Amen.
My dear Christian friends, go now out into this world to love and serve the Lord, and go out to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And as you go, may the grace of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen.